Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. I'm George. And I'm Richard. Richard. Richard's Richard's back. back. And Richard is coming to America. Nice. Well, hey. Eventually, <laughs> right? That's the deal. I think that's I, good. I think so. We're just going to wait for, you know, everyone to stop being nasty across, you know, all different states, and then I'll fly across. It's going to be yeah. a long wait. Uh, but hey, <laughs> yep. now just for a technical clarification, we watched coming to T.O. America as opposed to coming right. to the number two, number two. America. Mm-hmm. So no number two Phew. in this one. This is pure okay, number one. I got confused for a second. There. I was like, <laughs> did I watch the wrong one? Did uh, I watch the original having been supposed to watch the sequel? Thankfully, I watched the original. You know what I found out this week, guys? There's a sequel to this movie. There is, which is why we're watching it, because I want to watch the sequel. I'm like, it's like Coming to America is what we're going to watch this week. The first one or the second one? I didn't know there was a second one. The one in 88. (laughs) Good to know. Yeah, I love the new trend in horror and other movie sequels of inserting numbers into the original title of the movie and expecting you to be able to pronounce it uh, Scree4M. Was one of my favorites. Right. I mean, what? <laughs> Scream four. What do yeah. we do in Scream? And then Scream five. That it's just five. I like, crim. I like <laughs> straightforward movie titles like Halloween, Jackass number two. Right. I feel Easy. this is a problem you've only got with the Scream series of movies, though. I'm struggling <laughs> to find another big series that this applies to in any genre. Too fast. Too furious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got me straight away. I haven't seen any of those films beyond the first one. <laughs> Save your time. I watched the yeah. first one. I was like, I, I never need to see another one of these. Again. Halloween, twenty eighteen. <laughs> no, I, I'm just confused time. with the whole Halloween timeline. Anyway, yeah. so yeah. How much time you got? Boy. We can fix you. I was gonna say we can go on for about a half a day. Nah, let's with cover this. That. Let's cover this gem. So, George, this is your fourth Eddie Murphy movie. Uh, since yes, we sir. started the show, your second John Landis cross ah, Eddie Murphy movie. Uh, this is John Landis. I did not. Your know that. second Rick Baker. Ah, yeah. I know all these names. Your second Barney. Barney, <laughs> the the landlord is Barney from uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, is it oh, really? Frank Frank yeah. Frazen from uh, from The Wire. Yeah, he was awesome in The Wire, and I yes. remember watching The Wire going oh, where the hell have I seen this guy? And it really bugged me. And then it was like, it was coming to America. Yes. Uh, yeah. And of course, uh, latterly, um, which Silence of the... It, was it Silence of the Lambs he was in? Yes. And, not, and, not one and, of the weird Hannibal movies. He was in one of the weird Hannibal movies He was movies in one well. of the weird Hannibal movies, yes. Yeah, I watched one of those recently. Yeah, I remember. Okay. Yeah, no, he he's great. This is a film for, like, I forgot Cameos. this person was in mm-hmm. it. We'll, we'll get onto those later, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, dude, when... Uh, What's his name? Uh, uh, motherfucker. What's his name? Bad motherfucker. Oh, uh, Sam Jackson. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, dude, we just went straight into the big cameo. Dude, what, yeah, exactly. Dude, when Samuel L. Jackson walks in, to the, like, the scene. I'm like, what the 
Like, and he's in it for like literally forty five seconds of the movie, yeah. and it's so. Who the hell is this? It's asshole? so good. <laughs> How like, cool would a crossover movie be though? That was uh, basically this is him pre becoming right. uh, the character in Pulp Fiction. This is what led him <laughs> to become the character in Pulp Fiction. Like meeting this Ar- uh, uh, African prince has turned him into kind of like the bad. Whatever I don't know. Well, he, he was I the, swear uh, on this show. I forget. <laughs> yes. Uh, you, yeah, you're like one hundred percent. Yeah, he, oh. he took he took his cue from uh, the uh, Tim Roth character. You know, just walk in with a gun and try to rob a diner. <laughs> like really? Now one thing, George, I don't know that you realize yeah. this, George, but this is one of, if not the first, like standout roles that Sam Jackson had in a Hollywood yes. movie. Not just uh, him either. Loads of people started yeah. in this film. Mm-hmm. But Wait, like uh, two years later, two years after coming to America, <laughs> this is true. Sam Jackson is in Exorcist Three, which is one of my favorite horror right. sequels that someday I'll make you watch against your will. He is okay. credited as Dream Blind Man. Nice. Wow. Okay. Like even in 1990, he is not the Sam Jackson he will become. Just a couple years later. So at what point does he become? It was Pulp Fiction. That was it. That Pulp Fiction he, was the thing. Yeah. 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 So what, about what year was that? 91, I think. 94. No, it was much later than that. Yeah, 94. Yeah. He was in Jurassic Park in 93. He's, oh, he Jurassic has Park, like a, yeah. He has an ascent. You know, he's, he's on the TV show Ghost Rider on PBS Rider, in 92. Yeah. He's in Patriot Games. So he's, he's making more uh, true romance comes out the same year as Jurassic Park, so he's like getting into okay. the Tarantino fold. Okay, so he, he he's not Lawrence Fishburne, and in no. that exact period, only <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne was Lawrence Fishburne. But so, he took everything at that at that like three year period. So yes. uh, n- now uh, and the time to kill. Changed. He was he was a small part in well, not a small part. He was integral to the story, but he didn't do a lot in a time to kill. But he was the guy on trial, and. He he shined in that movie as well. So yeah, he did have an okay. ascension. When I'm watching this movie, because I have no idea about timelines and such, and when he became famous and this and that, I'm thinking that this is a huge get hmm. for this movie <laughs> to put in as a cameo as a joke. It's right. so much and not a, a a huge get. I honestly believe I want to pop in the VHS to see the original VHS credits. I believe he was Sam Jackson in the cr- I, I, original. I, I think you're probably yeah. right. I that, think you dude, are almost that, certainly right. Yeah, dude, that blows my mind. Yeah, and now, now I've it's seen, Samuel. I've seen Samuel L. Jackson in <laughs> lots of things. Right. I know him very well. I love his his children's book. Do you guys all know about his his mm-hmm. kids' book that you can read to your I, kids I, at night? I, I I do not. Is it it's scary? Called, it's called Go the Go Fuck b- to Sleep. Go the fuck to sleep. Yeah, it's, I have sort of heard about okay. it. I thought this was a joke. I didn't think no, this was real. No, it's a real thing. Yes, it's a real thing. But okay. um, <laughs> the lights any- are turned off. Now go to fuck to sleep. Anyway, <laughs> that's hilarious. He wasn't. He wasn't even. Yeah, he famous was not yet. even famous. Da- he's a damn good actor. Let's put it this so, way: Louis Anderson was more famous than Sam Jackson in this movie. Hundred percent, one hundred percent, and and one of the few uh, kind of people that we recognized over here, which I'll come on to in a bit, right? Because this film like for Americans at the time was basically just like another Saturday night live romp right for the UK other than Eddie Murphy we basically didn't know anybody in it oh and of course um uh what's his face the voice of Darth Vader oh, uh, oh James, James Earl Jones. Jones 
one. Father yeah. of the guy from Sleepaway Camp. See how full circle yeah, yes. Sleepaway Camp comes yes. just in a couple of uh, episodes, guys? I was, I, if you guys didn't bring it up, I was going to mention that. Let's put it this way. Arsenio Hall was a nobody when this movie came out. That blows my mind, too. Nobody. And, he was and, in... and never actually really hit over here at right, all. Right. Uh, maybe no, on the like, cable channels. But he was... I remember, oddly enough, my whole family kind of like left this country and went to live in Queens. So in 1990, I went over to live... Uh, for, to stay for a bit in Queens. So kind of like... That's why I love this film so much. Because right. it's supposed to be Queens, even though I think most of it's set in Brooklyn, really. But that's another right, story. Right. <laughs> But he became huge. I mean, there was nothing bigger Massive. than the Arsenio yeah. Hall show. Right. Like, he was it. Yeah. And he and was brilliant in this film. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, this film is just a brilliant film. I, I think in some ways I prefer this over Trading Places. In other ways, yes. this is basically a sequel to Trading Places. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I watched an interview with uh, Rick Baker and John Landis when they talked about how this movie, other than Trading Places, allowed Eddie Murphy to play characters, not so much be Eddie Murphy, but like he he gets lost in the makeup when he plays the old Jewish man or when he oh, plays yeah. uh, Randy Jackson. Like, not Randy Jackson. Uh, what the hell is the Randy the Watson. Guy Randy Watson. Randy Jackson is on American <laughs> Idol. Uh, it's a no for me, dog. Actually, um, episode pro- four of That's My Mama um, <laughs> or whatever it was. I believe the children are future. And what's yeah. funny the is that... The whole thing is just a master... Uh, honestly, it's the whole thing from start to finish is, is, is so good. But the first five, 45 minutes of that film is literally just a joke a minute from basically yeah. Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall with the supporting cast. It is absolutely unreal. But I um, enjoy it when it gets to New York. Like, I like the beginning. It's setting everything oh, up. Oh, and you know what's so funny about the beginning is they lay everything on so thick. Yeah. That's why oh, it's, it's so good. Like, it was really, just, r- really interesting to watch it with HD vision today because yeah. not, <laughs> I've not seen it since the days of VHS. Um, the royal penis is clean. <laughs> I yeah. mean, look, again, I saw this film when it came out, right? Like 1989, I was a 14-year-old schoolboy who went to mm. an all-boys school in England. This film was just the most quotable film ever. And that yes. that particular bit was just like, I know I'm going to love this film. Mm-hmm. They, not, not only are there beautiful and half-naked ladies on my screen, but they've just made a very funny joke. Uh, uh, most quotable is an understatement. Like I told, when George was young, uh, a friend of mine, Tony McWilliams, big shout out to Tony. Uh, he and I would go back and forth and quote the barbershop scene word for word with character voices. <laughs> and Tony was always better than me at it. Like he remembers shit way better than me. Yeah. And but he would he would break me. He was so good at it. But it would it would. We just determined I, it fell on deaf ears because George had no idea what we were doing. Oh, no, George, no you had, idea. Oh, you missed. The, I mean, the absolute best, and and it stuck with me mm-hmm. for life. Is every now and then in a meeting, I will just turn around and go, "Fuck you, fuck <laughs> you, and fuck you." Who next? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that is just the timing of that is is brilliant. Everything about and it. I but, don't care. I don't care who someone said they met. I always said, "Man, you ain't never met Martin Luther the King." <laughs> 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 uh, it's such a quote but yeah. going back to the beginning like the opening 
crawl. Like, I can't believe I ever really thought that that looked like a, a real palace. It's so clearly a painting with, yes. like, a kind of stage in front of it. Although they, um, did, they did say they copied it almost pillar by pillar to something in England. There's a there's a almost it, it, an Asian-inspired... It looks uh, like the Brighton Pavilions, which is very okay. Asian-inspired, uh, actually. I didn't know that. But um, what I didn't know until today, because, of course... All of the, the music in this was Nile Rodgers, yes. but John Landis had worked with Michael Jackson quite a bit. And yeah. when they do the African dance when they're unveiling the bride at the beginning, yeah. that's basically the thriller dance. Thriller dance, yeah. And I was like, huh, I've never noticed that until now. So uh, that I thought that was really cool when I saw it that. It felt so, a lot like the thriller video. And what's yeah. funny, it's, it's Paula Abdul was the uh, choreographer. Right. And, and she uh, was a nobody. Well, she worked with Janet Jackson on the on the... yeah behind the scenes right so she was a, uh, a new discovery as well it doesn't get much more 1980s than this honestly no. and 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 to add to it they throw in some martial arts and it's decent martial <laughs> arts as well at the beginning it's like we're just gonna you know we're gonna do a bit of karate kid for you just to keep your attention 14 year old school children and it worked perfectly it was so impressionable when i was a kid we used to do play fights we would always do that fake flip and then land with that stupid smile that eddie had like <laughs> <laughs> like he just did like nine backflips and just landed it was his stunt double the whole time yeah yeah of course and we would just do that big smile like yeah bring it <laughs> oh now don't yeah, forget that uh john landis also directed the video for black or white after this yes. movie came out and you can see some of the prototypical design stuff that they used in that video in this movie so it's like mm -hmm. It's like a Michael Jackson. Uh, it's the filling in the Michael Jackson sandwich. No yes. thanks. Uh, you you <laughs> might want to erase that phrase from <laughs> from this entire thing. That's that's never going to end well for you. Did, did you uh, notice? Uh, did you notice? We need Eddie a spray Murphy? bottle for Dan. Did you notice Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> Travis left, but he has no idea what I'm talking about. What did you say? They do, they do that on, on Richard's podcast. Whenever he says something, Brian sprays him with a water bottle. Oh, right, right. It's like yeah. a sound. It's, it's funny. There you go. Yeah. I remember talking about that last, last show we did. We talked about that. It's a, it's a, bit, a bit low powered, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a little squirt bottle. Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah. It's uh, more like a, like a water, water gun. gun. Yeah. A little water pistol. <laughs> It'll do. Did you notice Eddie Murphy's like homage to Elvis? Uh, I did not. When he's playing uh, Watson, he's basically doing like 1978, 79 Elvis. Um, I suppose yeah. he is. And the, then, uh, when he does the uh, finger point at the yeah, end. Yeah, when he points off the stage, he's got his belly hanging out. Like it's 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 his <laughs> Elvis oh. impression. It is the funniest thing. I mean, I just laughed at it anyway because it is just physically, <laughs> and that's the other thing about this film. It's physically very, very funny. Yes. There's a lot of physical humor in here, but it's done very intelligently, and uh, that appeals to all ages. But yeah, I'm so glad you filled that in because yeah. that just made me laugh, and I don't know why. But also, Arsenio is the pasta. It, yes. it is literally <laughs> like, Again, for us in, you know, jolly old England, that's exactly what we think of kind of like 
religion out there. What, what? We're like, this is this is accurate, right? Uh, this is like a documentary. His dad was a preacher, so he just did his, he did an impression of his father. <laughs> but the way he does yeah. it, the timing, it's yeah. just it's there's a just god somewhere. It's so good. So um, that, so that makes well me done. think of Tony as well. Yeah, he does. That there's too. there's a does. preacher like in the area here that has like very late night on TV. Like Pastor Gino. Pastor Gino yeah. comes on. And he's like, listen at the Bible. Listen at the like, Bible, he would yeah, say. Listen. <laughs> yeah, it's, that, it's, it's so real. But that scene is so... Tony, like, Tony would do that yes. impression. At, we would talk about, during Spinal Tap, how, how uh, amazing everybody plays off of each other. Yeah. The characters in that scene, I could watch seven hours of just that scene, of those guys yeah. just going back and forth. Because you're not only getting, like, Arsenio Hall is upstaging everybody. Right, as, I, the, and, and, as the preacher, yeah, hundred percent is. But then Eddie's but, answering back with the Jackson or the um, Randy Watson, saying, Randy, jo- Randy Watson. <laughs> but then the, Randy Jackson, the, the three old guys. Uh, Eddie Murphy's <laughs> doing some brilliant shit there. Like when he's like, "That boy, good." He's like, yeah. <laughs> "He's like, he's like, yeah, good I and terrible, <laughs> good and terrible." Like I've used that line so many times when someone says something's good. I'm like, "Yeah, good and terrible." But it's like he's doing it subtly. He's not Eddie from like, 81. Like whenever he's... Dan shows us a movie? Yeah. <laughs> not, not always. Not always. It but was it's... incredibly co- co- convincing. Like every mm-hmm. one of them was very convincing in their barbershop get up. Oh, and it, it, like you say, you could just watch it forever. And the, the beauty of it is, is even with like looking at it back with the HD goggles on, it still stands up. Oh, the absolutely. makeup job there is absolutely first class. In fact, I'd say it's better than some of the later ones, mm-hmm. you know, because they did everything they could to make him. And it's it's kind of lovely in a kind of way that it's that reverse blackface thing as well. There's a kind mm-hmm. of... Th- there's a real nice political sensibility about this film. I think it really does say a lot about kind of like, look, can we just laugh at everything now, please? It, yeah. Which I love. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, Rick Baker talks about the makeup for the old Jewish guy. And he says it's so good. They said the studio said it's so good we can't tell it's Eddie, and no. we paid for Eddie. Yeah. So all the other <laughs> makeups have to be more Eddie Murphy. So when he plays, uh, is it Clarence? Uh, I can't remember the. Yeah, Clarence, the old guy, the barbershop guy. He looks like Eddie. Like they just put like different yeah. hair on him. Or yeah, whatever. you can tell. But uh, the you cannot tell that's Eddie Murphy. No, the no. Jewish guy. no, you it's really can't. So good, and his and his his accent, it's like just perfect, and everything he's saying. There's nothing racial about that scene at all, and it's great. Like you could watch that scene and never feel uncomfortable laughing at anything. It's just it's it's all around hilarious. Yeah, it was um like every I I think the Jewish guy that you know the barber like they were all stereotypical, but it wasn't like there it, wasn't anything. It was good natured. Exactly right. right. It was like, let's just make fun of everybody. Every time I got to bring up Rocky Marciano. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, he beat Joe Lewis's ass. (laughs) So good. It is. And and again, so I think I mentioned before, I I came from a kind of mixed race family and I grew up in the whitest part of England. And having a film like this, which kind of was a a breakthrough movie for uh kind of watching an almost all black cast for a a, a, a kind of like backwater english community was groundbreaking for me uh, and i loved it but 
the thing about it is, is everybody in it makes you laugh. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter w- what their role is in this film. Everything about it, even uh, the, the servant when he does the singing and he he mentions being completely free of disease. <laughs> right. Every single thing about it is so well done. It's just. I love it. I love this film. And I thought today, I thought I'd watch it again. And it'd be like when you watch Trading Places again, great film, makes you laugh. You've forgotten a few bits. Brilliant. This, I, I was literally holding my sides with laughter. And it was the things like, like I remember at the time, like the first time we came out of the cinema, I saw this in the cinema and we came out, I was like, that was Eddie Murphy in that makeup. No. That was Eddie Murphy. Yeah. No way. It was it was genuine disbelief as like uh-huh. a fourteen year old. You know it's funny. You know the scene where uh, where Eddie Murphy is is walking home and he's singing "To Be Loved." Yes, I have. I haven't ever seen that scene. Right, but I've heard you and Tony do it mm-hmm. back and forth. <laughs> you sing it. Tony's like, shut up. And I've heard, like, yes, I've heard. Fuck the, you too. Yeah. I've, I've heard the audio, like, like I've heard the audio so many times of you guys doing impressions right. of it that when that scene happened, I was rolling. Familiar. I was crying. It was so funny. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this movie probably 50, 60 times all the way through, not just like scenes here and there. And I still laugh at the right times. Like when he's like, like uh, Richard said, Fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. <laughs> Who next? <laughs> like, I, I just started laughing. I knew it was coming. Yeah. But it's just, it, the, the delivery is so perfect. And and, and again, like you said, the balcony scene where he goes out to the balcony yes. and it's like, hey, fuck you. Yes, <laughs> fuck you, you too. too. It's and just the basketball game. The basketball game is hilarious. <laughs> In the face, he's like yelling. <laughs> and it's like, you guys call it soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and LaSalle yeah. in that movie is great too. Like, oh man, I, he he plays such a smarmy prick. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, and again, it it is literally how many gags can we fit into the first forty five yeah. minutes? Soul glow the itself. Soul glow. So the music, brilliant. You know how everything about it. Song. And, and then the the couch gag where they're at the kind of yeah. wedding party that never was, where the three of them get up and there's just the dripping patch. His, oh, his mother, oh, father, so and grandmother bad. get off the you couch. Know what I mean? It's work. like the it's grandmother so was just there to make that gag work. There's no reason to have her in other than we need three heads here, yeah, all of different ages, all spots. greased up, right? brilliant the whole thing is brilliant and like, again it's so much of this film is quotable i still say you know it, in like marketing meetings i'll be like well they've got the big mac we've got the big mick it's the it's just the, like the, <laughs> yep. the classic marketing 101 we're just gonna rename one letter and get away with it so we have the gold it, marks <laughs> it's just everything about this film i i i tried to hate it a bit today and i couldn't i came away yeah, loving no it more yeah, and what's great is that is uh, even like every supporting member, like everybody got the memo. Right, it doesn't matter right. if you had one line. Like Cuba Gooding Jr.'s in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it? he is. He does not have a line. Oh. <laughs> his first ever movie. First ever um, movie. He's the kid getting his haircut in the barbershop. You're never gonna fucking see him with those three in there talking. You don't even know Cuba Gooding Jr. sitting right there. Right, but he's there. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I missed it. <laughs> he apparently I, had a line, but they cut it out. 
Yeah, they apparently mm. they had a line where he um he had some of his hair cut off because he didn't pay enough or didn't tip enough or something right. like that. I can't remember, but I didn't get it. But today when I rewatched it, I immediately stuck X-ray on when I saw it. I was like, surely, yes, it is. It hundred percent is, That's and so it's weird. got it's got like you say, it's just got a stellar cast. Um, the guy who plays uh the dad um uh, john amos yeah he uh, obviously i i kind of know him most from die hard too i think right. um but again just a brilliant kind of like stand-up actor who who kind of improvised a bit in this and made it funny and as i said before james earl jones who who does say at least one vader-esque line in yes. it he just brings so much gravity to everything he does because his voice is crazy. But also, just like when he's like being a bit cheeky with Prince Akeem, it's it, like the looks on his face just make mm-hmm. you laugh. It's brilliant. I love this film. Too. Oh, when he, he pops into the room and he says, oh, I can see you're getting along while she's <laughs> barking like a dog. <laughs> it is that look on his face then. Barking it's like brilliant. A dog. Well, his big dog Eddie's breaking of the fourth wall. His, yes, right. His, uh, when he turns his, uh, to the I, camera, I and he's just like, "She's really doing this. She's barking oh, like yeah, a dog." Yeah, he broke the fourth wall with the the Deadpool, the Deadpool uh, yeah. first. Well, that thing, was yeah. there was multiple of that. Yeah, yeah but Eric, that's a trademark for John Landis, isn't it? Yes. The the kind <laughs> yeah. of the fourth wall is like a bit flexible with him, I would say. Yes. Yeah. The end when the sister's trying to get. Uh, Daryl out of his clothes and Eric LaSalle looks at the screen like, uh oh. <laughs> but again, another example of a great scene that as a teenager we loved was when they're at the game and he's sat next to the sister and yeah. she puts the coat over him. It was just, again, such brilliant physical comedy. Very little was said. And, and it's if just you notice, yeah. when he walks away, he doesn't let the coat drop. So he's no, covering, I, he's I, covering no, his hardy. Yeah. It's all all the way up until uh, he gets accosted in the in the hallway. Yeah, um, which is hilarious as well. Yeah, it, honestly, again, I I was watching it going. There's literally a joke every forty yeah. every minute for the first forty five minutes. Like, then it becomes that? a love. Just film. the man I met in the bathroom. <laughs> it's like okay, okay. What did you do to him in there? Because he uh, he kissed your hand yeah. <laughs> and took a bow. So good. Yeah. No, it's such a great film. So, George, tell us, how did you find it? Oh my god, uh, I, it's perfect. Uh, it's it's perfect. It's an easy like, watch, isn't it? it oh, like, so <laughs> easy, so easy. I could watch this again anytime. Yeah, anytime. And you will. Uh, anytime it's on, I'll watch it. Yes. I'll watch it again. Um, dude, I, I mean, everything that we've been saying is is true. Uh, you know, the 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 first scene, like in the palace, where they really like they put it on thick is so funny Mm -hmm. like he's like he's 21 years old and he's like all he wants to do is like wipe his own butt (laughs) and they're like no you're a prince you can't do that like it's so so over the top it's hilarious he's halloween 21 he looks 31 (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 it's like it's it's so good and then you know I mean, like, you can't. How can you not like this movie, dude? When he's in the in the barbershop and he, like he wants to get a haircut, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I ah, just clean it up," and like he just cuts his ponytail off, and he's like, "All right, say bucks," <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> like, uh, it, like it's so funny. Like every, I, I mean, I can't, I can't say anything negative about this movie at all. I mean, at the very end, it you're got like, a little eh, yeah, it got a little <laughs> like, you know, uh, you got to suspend. You know, yeah. suspend disbelief for the past, you know, minute. 
Hold on, like, hold on. You that, don't have to suspend disbelief until the last minute of this movie? <laughs> no. Oh, wow. No. It's a little fantastical. Wow. It's a Disney movie. I'm no. now going to have to break it down to you, but Zamunda doesn't exist. Yeah. Zamunda it's Wakanda is forever. Wakanda forever. No, 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 no. What I, what I mean is like, you know, uh, I don't I don't know what I mean. I, I get the it. Movie. I, I loved it. it. It feels a little bit like the arc of a musical in a theater mm. because there's always a lot of comedy in a musical and a lot to kind of get your emotions going. But then there's always the kind of slightly lovey-dovey dreary bit in the third act that you have to kind of like, oh, am I invested or not? But here you kind of are invested. I remember yeah. the feel-good feeling when it all came right at the end. And like there were so many happy points to the final scene that you were like, yeah, this works. So again, there are films where this this does great on a bit. Actually, that's sort a of perfect... Bit analysis because like i've done a lot of plays and i've done musicals and for me the fun part of the musical is act one you're getting yeah. all the character banter you're getting all the jokes you're getting you know maybe an epic scene a, cl a, a, a cliffhanger to the intermission and then you come back from intermission and the play usually just kind of lulls it's like, oh, we got a lesson. We got to teach the lesson. We got to have yeah. the love story. Right. We got to do these different things. All the fun shit happened in the first act. For me, that's what this movie is. There, but the second act in this movie is only about ten minutes long. So I'll yeah, be, and and there's true. so yeah. much that gets crammed into the kind of first act, as it were. It's like you don't care. You're just laughing at everything by this yeah. point. It's just everything is funny. Uh, but actually it becomes a little bit sitcom-y in the middle. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a bit where it all kind of feels a little bit like it could be on a Saturday morning show. But no, they they keep it at pace and uh, it's well well thought out, I thought. But they do it right. Like when, when the king shows up at the house in whatever part of, you know, North Jersey that house is in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he John Amos plays it so well that, like you said, it feels like a sitcom, but it seems real ish yeah but then once he starts like demeaning everybody once uh the king starts demeaning everybody and then amos goes into like full oh that's that was own mode <laughs> that was fantastic <laughs> yeah he's, he's gonna I'll, I'll break my foot in your royal ass yeah, like, like that's exactly that's what my you would daughter hear. jack <laughs> yeah that's exactly <laughs> what we would say yeah but that's and that's the lovely moral of this story is like there's a kind of like no matter how rich you are there's always someone richer and if mm -hmm. you are at the top you still got to be a human being and that thread runs throughout this film Until you kind of get it a bag full of money and you're a street <laughs> bum and then you just turn into what you used to be <laughs> right <laughs> which, which was such a, a lovely bit though <laughs> that was I, I think a lot of stuff went over my head like i know that there's jokes in here i didn't get like do you know they, who the two old guys were no they are the two old guys from trading places that do the bet Okay, that makes is, more sense. That now. is amazing. <laughs> it went right over my head. Yeah, I was like, I know that this is a joke. I know I'm supposed to get this. I have no Donna idea. Donna Michi right and uh, what's the name of the other dude? Uh, oh, what the heck's his name? Dude, now that I know that, that is so it's brilliant. Funny. What yeah. only would have made it better is if Dan Aykroyd uh made an appearance in this movie somewhere. Oh but, my right. god! I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis kind of does make an appearance in this movie. Does she? Uh, well, kind of. So on the subway scene, and Landis is so good at subway scenes. Yes. Um, there is the poster for See You Next Wednesday. Yes. Uh, which, again, is a John Landis kind of classic. Uh, and 
on that poster you can see clearly starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, so he wow. he bought nice. her into the film through his own little amusing gag on himself. Uh, but yeah, I was like, yes, uh, that's that's uh, Dan Aykroyd would have been the <coughs> or Denim Elliott would have been the piece of uh, the missing puzzle. But I love it. I love that it can yeah. work as a sequel to that film. If you yes. want it to be, it is. It's up to you. And it worked. So, I remember back then when it happened, I was like, oh my God, it's the guys from Trade Blazers. Like, I knew right away. I'm like, it's I, the same thing. I didn't. Yeah. But that's now that I know that, that's hilarious. What was going on uh, when they, they're they in the airport? Um, uh, what's his name? Semi and uh, Akeem. Akeem. And I don't know if they're leaving. No, no, no. They just arrived in New York, I think. Or maybe they were just leaving. I'm not sure. But like they come over the loudspeaker and they say like cons- you know s- s- they're asking someone to like pick up a phone or something like that. Oh, it like comes over the loudspeaker and I'm like I'm sure that was probably a joke. Right. But I don't get it. I have to go back. I didn't hear that. Yeah. I don't know. It, I probably have heard it. But there's I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there's a ton of stuff. Like I thought the movie was great. I'm I'm sure that there's more stuff that I just didn't see. It didn't get. Because well, hundred uh, percent there is because for for us with all the all the stuff in the barbershop, we'd never seen Roots over here. Roots was right. not a series that had played over here. <laughs> hey, so when they started the talking, <laughs> right, when when he said that name, I was like, this must be some like historic figure from yeah. like African culture. I had no idea who it was. And then, of course, you find out that um, I think, was it Frankie Faison was in that? One of the mm-hmm. actors was in Roots, as was uh, James Earl Jones. Uh, yes, so there was kind of John Amos was in Roots. I'm that's sure. who I meant. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So uh, again, like stuff that goes over like a lot of people's heads, but it was just funny. Just the mm. delivery of it was so funny. We didn't care. It was brilliant. Actually, the best inside joke is the fact that James Earl Jones becomes Mufasa in '94. I think. Yeah. And I'm and, not sure. And he's wearing a tiger. He's, or he's wearing a lion. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, he's playing Mufasa in this movie. Yeah, he and is. It's like he even has the uh, anything the light touches. You know, yes. he has that moment with Akeem before yeah. he comes to America. So it's like he must have been auditioning for the Lion King, doing this movie, not even realizing it. Like, yeah, because that movie probably took. How many years to write? Yeah, I wonder and if Disney had already decided to rip off that anime at this point, or if they saw this yeah. movie and were like, hey, that Japanese anime, we could totally rip it off, and that guy could be the king. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Um, Who knows what order that event went in? <laughs> Hi, this is Dan in Post. I had a little mind-blowing incident after we finished recording this episode when I realized that the clip from The Simpsons, from when uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy dies, and Lisa sees Darth Vader and Bleeding Gums and Mufasa in the cloud, is now owned by Disney. So my children are watching The Simpsons on Disney+, Plus, owned by Disney, showing a clip where they call out Kimba the White Lion as the influence for Lion King. What a time to be alive. Because it does take a long time to animate a, a movie, so they could have started that in 88 years. Easily. Yeah. easily. What, did, what year did Lion King come out? 94, I think. It was it, well. I think maybe earlier than that. I'm thinking 92. It was it was 94. For once, Travis okay. got it on the I'm nose. Right. Oh wow! Nice. Travis is always within a on year or two. Nosey. Generally, <laughs> give well. him a set to give. <laughs> <laughs> a set to give. 
I saw. I did see. Uh, I saw Lion King in New York actually. Um, oh. Ah. So yeah. So I've forgotten. I was in New York in ninety. I think I was in ninety four, ninety two, and ninety. I was in New York in Queens mainly. So wow. Uh, yeah. No. I speaking sh- of I Queens, that up. The friggin' taxi driver, hilarious. <laughs> when he stands right in front of the taxi outside the airport. And puts mm-hmm. his hand up like stop. Yeah, he, he jumps out. What does he say? Uh, oh, he dumb I, fuck. I think dumb fuck. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> what, does dumb what does a dumb fuck mean? <laughs> <laughs> but it, the delivery of that line was so perfect because I'm sure he's from North Jersey easily. Yeah. That actor, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember what his name is, but he he was kind of big in the '80s, character actor. But yeah, just that dumb fuck. <laughs> I was like, if I was ever going to be in a movie and that's the one line I was given, I would totally just end with the like that, like, don't fuck! (laughs) (laughs) Totally played it. Hey, so uh, Coming to America releases in the U.S. June of 88. Okay. And in October of 88, they hold a meeting with Thomas Dish and Katzenberg and all the guys from Disney and start working on a treatment for something at the time called King of the Kalahari, which okay. eventually becomes... Yeah, I wonder what film that became. The Lion King. How nice. interesting, guys. I was bullshitting, and now it turns out, actually, I might have been... Oh, right. I'm, sh- I'm sure it was a total inspiration. That's hilarious. Just like they, they named it Zamunda, because uh, I think the writers were paying homage to the um, uh, Andy Kaufman's right-hand man. I think his last name was Zunda, or something like that. But they couldn't do Zunda. Okay. Uh, Landis was like, that doesn't sound African. So then he made it Zamunda. But it's like, yeah, just the inspiration that it, it, what it comes from and what it develops into. Like, they basically were probably inspired by Wakanda. Because I mm-hmm. think the Black Panther comic book came out in the 70s. So. Yeah, that's the vibe that I got. Yeah. Too. I love when they were in the museum. Mm. <laughs> and he, like, has to, like,. <laughs> Get her yeah. to not see the portrait of the royal family. It's so funny. <laughs> so good. It was like a Seinfeld moment. It definitely was a Seinfeld you know? moment. Or like a, yeah. I, I feel a lot of American situation comedy drew inspiration from this film. I oh, I yeah. see a, a lot of sitcoms have feeling that probably kind of came through the Landis school of direction anyway. So, uh that, like how, that can't be too far from the truth. Like, how many times does Louis Anderson have to get screwed over? <laughs> like, he was, when he, first he spilled the milkshake, then it was taken from him, and then they were robbed. <laughs> like, it, it was just an ongoing uh, thing with him. And he's perfect for that part. Yeah. He's, he's such a good comedian. Now, George, are you familiar with Louis Anderson's comedy at all? The guy that plays the... He works at the what's what's the restaurant yeah, called? The McDonald's I, knockoff. McDowell's. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I I recognize him, um, but I can't really place it. I know that he was he's like, you know, in the in the comedy universe at the time. Oh he, his stand up is awesome. When yeah. you were little, when you were a kid, he had a show on Fox Kids, along with like Batman the Animated Series and Bobby's yes. World, called Life with Louie. And it was all about his childhood. And it was his adult voice in a child. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was one that, you know, along with Howie Mandel, kind of got shoved into all of our uh, zeitgeist, thanks to Fox Kids. Yes. Okay. 
Well, me, thanks to HBO comedian specials. <laughs> My dad, he was like, oh, I, we would watch Howie Mandel and Robin Williams and Louis Anderson and uh, Bob Saget. Like, all those guys did yeah. comedy routines on HBO. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I know him from. I don't know that show from my childhood, Dan. So That's I don't. Funny. Maybe if I saw it, maybe like you I'd guys grew up it. on bands. Yeah, <laughs> I grew up on comedians. Yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, I I saw him in '88. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have the T-shirt. How'd you like the movie, Dan? Is this your first time seeing it? Oh no no no! Yeah. I watched it. Uh, <laughs> I'd only seen it once, and I watched it because the sequel was coming out. So I was like, hey, I'll right. watch this. I hear it's good. It's perfect and wonderful. Uh, and then the sequel is fine. It's everything you complained about. It's everything they fixed. Everything that was wrong with Trading Places. Yes, it is all the good stuff from Trading Places, yes. but they cut out all the crap they shouldn't have put in that movie and right. replaced it with and more all wonderful the appropriation, stuff. Even though it is appropriation, a lot of the appropriation happens behind the scenes because it's all just a bunch. It's a white director. His wife was a costume designer. Yeah, uh, she's like a lot of like old New York Jewish uh, friends of his and. But they were all so respectful in creating this world and creating the costumes and creating these characters that they, it was, you felt like this country really exists and these people are well off and are, are running the world. They could run the world, these it's, people. It's almost a, a perfect example of what Americans can do when they all put aside their differences yes. and work together. Oh, it's immoral. That's kind of sweet. I mean, I, I I mean honestly, I that is that, kind of like our strength, right? Yeah. No, like, it is. You're like right. having it, having multiple people from multiple backgrounds, and we can do better because we have diversity. You need that and arranged marriages. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I read a review uh, years ago for Slumdog Millionaire, uh, written by a guy who was, I think, English, but of Indian descent. And he was arguing that Slumdog was one of those things where, like, it is technically appropriation because it's made by Danny Boyle, who's British. Right. But it is the equivalent of taking Indian food and then presenting it in like uh, an English. Oh, I'm doing a terrible job of. Uh, but basically, I it's can't like, get where you're going though. Yeah, it's <clears> like because it... there's something with the you know the improvement of and like the refining of traditions but then through a lens that's not familiar with them in a way that it like breaks it down to its more fundamental and true. I, I, well, it, finds the co- it finds the commonality in the culture because over here, definitely in England, the English curry house is an institution and actually the curries are more anglicized than in any other country in the world. But it's because we had this big relationship with India and even though... There's a kind of history of all kinds of nonsense on both sides. The reality is I think both cultures found bits of each other that they loved. And if you go to India today, you can definitely see that. And, of course, in England, as I say, you, you definitely have a love of, of curry. So that has changed that. And I kind of feel the exact same thing with Slumdog Millionaire because it it took some of the elements of Bollywood film, some of the drama, some of the song, some of the colour, some of the cinematography... But it, it wrapped it into a Western palette, but still the story was the same. It's exactly how you would get it in a Bollywood film, just not as much dancing and singing. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's growing. That's not, that's not cultural appropriation. It's not poking fun or stealing or anything. It's trying to find a common understanding. And if more people probably did that, 
then uh, we'd get more coming to Americas and less coming to Americas. See what I did there? <laughs> I saw what you did there. So I, I found it. It's called An Indian's Take on Danny Boyle's Slumdog Millionaire. So we're going to talk quickly who, about a movie we're not talking about today. <laughs> this is from com, which is now, I guess, uh, oh yeah, not quite guy. as cool as it used to be, thanks to certain things. But uh, in 2008, it was still cool, I promise. Uh, but, uh, okay, so he says, this is just a quote here. Now, if you go to the East Village often and feel like eating Indian food often and go to these authentic restaurants often, you'll find something strange. The only good Indian food in that entire block is served by a British chain restaurant, Brick Lane Curry House. It looks clean and well-maintained, and the food has, more or less, the right balance of spices. Having grown up watching Bollywood movies, that's exactly how I feel about Slumdog Millionaire. Most Indian movies are fairy tales, and fairy tales in popular culture are for two things, to highlight a moral value or to escape the burdens of reality. Uh, so, and it, it's a long, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but. But it, that is, that, that's common in all art. We, yeah. all art has either a message or a, an element of escapism or a blend of the two. And that's what he did. So I, I mean, as I say, I'm half Indian, half my family's Indian. I, I think Slumdog Millionaire was a great film. Beautiful for everybody who watches it, I think. Shouldn't have won um, the Oscar though. And, Dark Knight should have won. What's up? Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm not, not going to go with that. Um, no, no offense, Richard. But a very but good movie. No, n- none taken. And look, again, you know, if the world cared less about pointing out the divisions in, in, in everything and more about the similarities, maybe we'd stop bombing each other. Oh, yeah. hot take politically. <laughs> oh, I'm on a roll Whoa, tonight. whoa, whoa. You whoa. can't say that, Richard. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Northrop Grumman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, um but yeah so but anyhow um curries are good i do like a curry it does feel like this movie coming to america uh, to uh, america is a step in the right direction toward giving people voices and letting you know more voices into the room other than just the traditional uh white hollywood perspective so they're they're in the right direction and we've made a lot of progress since then uh you know with more diversity in uh, directors, producers, and everything, just to kind of get people uh, the opportunity to tell their own, you know, uh, own unique story. This is definitely a lot closer to that than we were even a couple of years earlier with Trading Spaces. Trading Places. Trading Places. places. Not the Spaces. Trading Places. We didn't didn't redo any rooms. (laughs) Yeah, Trading Spaces is uh, HGTV, I think. (laughs) Dan's been watching a, a lot of that while he's been remodeling yeah, right. his house, though. That's that's what's happening here, and the truth is coming out. <laughs> but what you're what you're talking about about the Indian restaurant is what Landis's wife was worried about when she was doing the costume designs. She was basically afraid of being a Jewish white woman from New York, creating these African nations and their clothes and their culture and all this stuff, and she took it seriously but then she also thought people are going to accuse me of taking inspiration from here and there not realizing for 30 years yeah. that's been her hobby is african culture like she's been learning it for her whole life yeah like no matter how respectful she was going to try to be Someone or was how or how accurate it. she was going to try to be and and how much of an expert she probably is in it right she still was going to get shit right for but it was done. Care. She said she didn't care. She yeah. she gave and it, it was the done with love, it and it was done absolutely brilliantly because it looked convincing. The oh, yeah. the costumes, the 
the spectacle it looked incredibly convincing and well kind of researched i think and she so. was able to show class without showing poverty yeah like yeah. she showed servants she showed royalty she showed you know different families from different countries uh at you know galas or whatever but there was no poverty even like the servants were servants but they were taken care of they were paid they were whatever like everybody looked healthy everybody was happy it wasn't like this hierarchy of of different class which was kind of it was a good way to do it and then you showed new york which is a complete <laughs> it, opposite yeah, new, you didn't see any poverty until yeah, you got to new, new york which was funny well yeah like when, which is, when yeah, he's like i want to go to you know, the worst place ever and he's like oh the most common i know place, where i says. can take you <laughs> the most common place and then the outline of the the blind dog and the blind man and his oh, cane. The cane. <laughs> the masking tape cane. Shame oh what they God. did to that damn dog. It's not I'm even an outline left. of the cane. It's just literally a cane drawn in masking tape. They didn't even bother to outline yeah, it. It's, not it's not even so silly. Oh this place God. is real fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, there's bugs in this bathroom, but you guys from Africa are used to that. Like, it was so rude. <laughs> it's it was so just, rude. They're looking like, What? But again, it showed something that is very real amongst cultures, which is, you know, there is racism between every culture. It isn't mm -hmm. just between, uh, you know, one color of skin versus another. It is people from one area to people from another area. And it yeah. has been from the beginning of time. Well, the, uh, cabbie, the cabbie even says it. He's like, you know, guys like you, you should be going to Manhattan. Like there's, right. he was already classifying them as not, uh, not from Queens. Not from Queens and should not go to Queens. So, yeah, it happens everywhere here. Yeah, 100% it does. Uh, and again, what what was lovely about the film was the whole juxtaposition of the incredibly wealthy kind of African nation, then the world's most wealthy nation, but everyone is in poverty and mm -hmm. in violence. And then you've got this guy who's got this restaurant who thinks he's a up and coming guy, and he's treating the guys who are actually seriously old school wealthy, you know, as if they're his servants, and they're kind of like going on his, along with it. His face is off. literally on the money. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> just it's such a lovely twist of that whole story, and and that I think is what makes us all feel good. I think there's a that's what uh, gives you the feel. But they're also able to they're also able able to show the two versions of capitalism too because you have uh mcdowell who's doing it right he's living the dream he's building the business he's creating an empire and then you have uh daryl's character the soul glow soul glow uh prince yeah who's inheriting money and basically is the face of a company that's making him rich and he's a prick and yeah. he's and he's he's greedy and he's he's cheap and he doesn't yeah He's nothing nothing charitable about him. He's there's nothing good. There's not a saving grace and and that's you know two versions of this country. Like you have people that yeah, you know, understand that yeah, I'm here. I'm here going to I'm going to follow my dream. I'm going to make money, but I'm going to do good with it. And then you have people like Daryl. I think uh Mr. McDowell's uh money train would eventually uh end in a lawsuit. Yes. But <laughs> um but I thought it was really really uh really good when Eddie Murphy was in his house and and Mr. McDowell's like showing off his house and he's like and maybe after you know 20 years of working or whatever you can you know, get to this level too and he's like what do you think of that and Eddie Murphy just says that would be something. That would be something. Yeah. 
<laughs> you want you and, want and the coins in my face? I, I love yeah. I love the way uh, Eddie Murphy never lies. Mm-hmm. Like in he never lies to uh, the the chick that he's uh, that he wants to be his queen. I forget her name. Lisa. I think. Lisa. Is it Lisa? You know when she's like when when she says it's because of the condition of your apartment. Like you're yeah. you're embarrassed by it, and he's like. Yeah, yeah. No, once my again, half naked servant in there in the well, hot no, tub. Well, no, he doesn't want his apartment to look like <laughs> there that. There is he, a big rat. He is <laughs> a big rat. He's he's a sh- he's. But li- seriously though, he's ashamed of the way his apartment looks. Right. And she's like, "You're just ashamed of the way your apartment looks." And he's like, "Once again, yes, you figured right. it out." He ne- he didn't lie. Mm-hmm. That is the truth. It's yeah. not. No, you're you know. Right. It, you know. It's not what. You know, she thought she thought it looked like crap, but he's like, he comes home and it looks amazing. No, it, it, and his like, character ah. and Sammy's were just so well thought out in this film. Oh, yeah. I thought because you just think these are two people who could be massive pricks. They're from hugely wealthy upbringing, you know, uh, and actually these are the guys who are the good guys throughout, which is really satisfying to follow that arc, even though you know. Arsenio plays the, the laughing part. Whenever there's serious mm. stuff, he's always there. Right. And it works so well. It gives you such a nice, like, never judge a book by its cover from the get-go type moral, which is, I think, what lifts this film up. Like I say, it, it it's a perfect feel-good movie. Until he Great Christmas drag. film. <laughs> that, yeah. that bar scene. But that bit oh, was that absolutely was... hilarious. Tear your friend apart. <laughs> That's so good. Oh my god! No, he says, so "I'll funny. tear you apart and your friend too." Yeah, <laughs> it's <was> so good. <laughs> yeah, for everything, for everything Eddie Murphy can do with his eyebrows, Arsenio Hall can do with his mouth. His yes. his smiles and his gum action is pretty good in in some of those <laughs> uh, scenes for sure. That's brilliant, though. I I just felt sorry for the the woman who had to play the boring girl. I was like, yeah, right. that's a script you don't want to be <laughs> oh, picked for. Then oh. I want to be a singer. Then I want to be an artist. And it's like, dude, oh my god. When, when Eddie Murphy's like pretending to Not fall, enough. like when he's falling asleep <laughs> and his head goes like all the way back, like huh. I was like, <laughs> like he tried oh so god, hard and so then funny. flat. <laughs> he's like, oh oh. But I think his head just goes all the way back, and he's like, "Oh shit!" You ain't gonna find no good girls there. You gotta go, gotta go church. But you know what? He's gotta not, go where I'm at. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not yeah. wrong. <laughs> go to where I'm going tonight. Oh, <laughs> I could watch that chapter over and over again. Definitely. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm so disappointed the sequel wasn't funny. Oh, no, it's a, fine. Uh, it's fine. Don't let me totally kill it. It's. It exists. I want and to see it. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm still going to watch it. Yeah, uh, I might funny, try and force it down over Christmas. The DVD that I popped in had like a preview. I guess they were selling a collection of Eddie Murphy movies. And I watched that commercial. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what wasn't he awesome in? <laughs> like, other than Norbert and, and uh, you know, some parts of the Nutty Professor. Dude's a what was that one he did with genius. Richard Pryor where they played gangsters? I like Harlem Nights. That wasn't too bad. Oh yeah, that one. <clears throat> uh, that... I I love Boomerang. It's so nineties, but I love. I've that never movie. seen Boomerang. Oh uh, god, the Golden Child. I think was the moment where I was like, I've had enough Eddie Murphy for yeah, one lifetime. Golden Child. I don't think was his fault. I think that was a uh, somebody miscasting him. He should not have been yeah. in that. He might have produced uh, that or something. And again, like a... y- you can't underestimate how massive Eddie Murphy was for a period of the late 80s. Oh, God. And, and then he became massive in the early 90s and you had all mm-hmm. the meet the clumps or whatever and all that stuff. But, like, 
Beverly Hills Cop, Trading Places, um, you know, Coming to America. These three films were three of the greatest films of their period in, in so yeah. many ways. Every once in a while, you're um, going to get your Haunted Mansion, which is fine. I mean, exactly. He he was in that that last leg of old studio days where it's like, all right, we're going to sign you to an eight picture deal. Right. You want to make Beverly Hills Cop two and three, you have to make Haunted Mansion, like stuff like that. Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore, but back then, that's when you're when you sit there and you go, "What the hell was Schwarzenegger thinking when he made that movie?" And it's like, "Oh, he got to make Conan, he got to make Kindergarten, yeah. he got to make all these movies, and to. then he had to do Raw Deal, or you know, uh, <laughs> it's not a tumor. <laughs> it's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. <laughs> uh, it's not a bad grab, accent, actually. Grab your toys and take it back to the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> We have to watch uh, When I actually see these movies, I'm going to know every line already. Yeah, it's true. You've already seen them. I you do. just don't know it. How how many Schwarzenegger films has George been through so far? Two? One. Just Which um, the... Uh, we watched um, uh, the one, Total, Total Recall. Total Recall. No Commando. No no, no. no Terminator we, yet. We, we were going to do Terminator, and obviously he's seen Predator before. That would have been oh. the first Schwarzenegger movie to yeah, watch. Yeah, I saw Predator a long time ago. Travis showed me that when uh, I was in like college. And you showed that. me you showed me Terminator yeah, too. I think it was ago. like I was in high school. Yeah. You showed me Terminator, but, but I don't T1, remember. T1, T2 too, is going to make an good. appearance on this this show, definitely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But Kindergarten yeah. Cop is, is, is a guilty pleasure for me. I love that movie. Yeah. And it's good because you're in it. So you uh, I, I'm I'm gonna say it. Jingle all the way is a guilty pleasure for me too. Yes, yes, that's just <laughs> it's it's yes. so Sinbad, bad. Though. It's terrible, but you know for Sinbad. You gotta watch yeah. that for Sinbad. He's awesome in that movie. <laughs> he is. Yeah. But yeah, Schwarzenegger's that 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 same guy like Eddie Murphy. Like they're gonna do a bad movie. There's no way. Right. Even even Tom Hanks made a couple duds. So you know. He's entitled. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. But this was not one. This was no. a perfect film. This had everything of it. Even the soundtrack. Like I say, Nile Rodgers working his magic. There was an Eddie Murphy track played. There mm. was, uh, a, a, you know, quite a 80s uh, New York vibe to some of the music going on. I was up for it as a kid, definitely. And now uh, it still sounds fresh, which is amazing. Except for the Eddie Murphy bit. And for, Was that 88? So I was... Uh... Uh, I was close to 10, 12, 14. What was the exact release date of this movie? The exact day? I don't know. You were I, like, know I know it was definitely 88. At least the month. It was like June was 29th of 88. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking I saw this around Summer. August, September 1988, okay. I, I think. I was born earlier that year. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Wow. Yeah. That's an well, important moment in your life. This yeah. movie had it for me as a teenager because it, it had all the right F words. It had all, the swearing. All the right it humor. Had, had some had boobs. The, it had boobs. It had ninja fighting of, ninja of fighting, some variety. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, and Darth Vader. I mean, you I, can't go wrong. I, ha- I mean, is, I mean is, this is a perfect movie. Absolutely. I'm just going to hot it's take. one of them, definitely. This is a perfect movie. But again, we, we mentioned... Knocking it so, out the park. Dude, Landis is like... <laughs> I Why... You might have to go back and watch Blues he's, Brothers just to get some Landis he's respect. He's amazing. Oh, Blues like, Brothers is his best. He's one of my favorites. Sure. Yes, he is. He yeah. should be. Yeah, he's, like, he's everything, fantastic. Everything Landis that you showed me has been brilliant. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, yes. you didn't love Blues Brothers. Maybe it's time to revisit. 
Well, that's because I was, I was stupid. He was then. still—is this satire, uh, George? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that movie was actually way better than I. Yeah. Than yeah. I, uh, oh, it thought is. It was <laughs> at the time. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. I've decided as a result of watching this film today, I'm watching Animal House again. Uh, oh. I've not seen Animal mm. House for maybe ten years now. We have to I'm watch. Like, is that John Landis? That is, John that Landis. is also John we Landis. Have, we have to watch that. Yes, we will watch. And Animal he House. directed a, a good few segments of one of my favourite sketch films of all time, Twilight which is uh, no. <laughs> he did direct some of that. Uh, <laughs> no, um, Amazon Women on the Moon. Oh yes. yes. That, uh, which is Arsenio Hall. My favorite skit is the Arsenio Hall skit. Right. <laughs> Again, uh, you know. Man, ain't no Thelma here. <laughs> oh, that's when I found him. That, like, I knew he was a comedian, but I when I saw him in that movie, he was like, it was like watching Home Alone. Like, my favorite part of Home Alone is Daniel Stern. Like yeah, his yeah. scream with the spider. <laughs> oh. Every time Daniel Stern does yeah. something, it's hilarious to me. And Arsenia yeah. Hall became the new Daniel Stern for me. Like uh, when I watched uh, Amazon Women, Women from the Moon, the movie eh, was okay, but his skit was hilarious. And I'm like, this guy's this guy's gonna be something. And I was right. Damn it, I was right. Now he's nothing, but then he was. Hey, he interviewed Jason Voorhees on the late night yes, show. Yes, he did. So he was something forever. Oh my gosh, I've seen that. <laughs> you just like awakened that memory in my mind. Yes. Because like Jason just like stares at him. Yeah. And like threateningly oh, the entire great. time. And he touches his arm. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's, so, it's so uncomfortable. So good. Did you ever see that, Richard? I have not seen that, no. When Jason Part 8 came out, uh, he was in New York. And he, uh, Kane Hodder went on Arsenio Hall in full costume with a machete. <laughs> And sat on the couch and was interviewed by Arsenio Hall. As Jason. As Jason. It was it was the longest, cringiest six minutes you'll ever yeah, watch. That's that's not gonna go down well, is it? But it was it was perfect. Well, no, it was good though, because you he know stayed in character. What do you think Jason would do being interviewed by Arsenio Hall? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> he just stared Tense at him. Up every now and yeah. then. He just and... stared at him menacingly for six minutes. Yeah, it was good. Uh, yeah. It and, was amazing. And then he goes, "Let's go to a clip." <laughs> <laughs> That's so how he good. ends it. Let's go to a clip. And it was the it was the great boombox scene where he kicks the boombox. Yeah. So good. I'm gonna watch it. I think George's uh Dan has just linked it. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, what I'm else do we talk about? Did we hit everybody? I think we did hit everybody. I think so. I mean, I you missed the movie justice. Toby Hooper's little cameo at the party. That's weird. But I guess him and Landis are tight. But yeah. yeah. Good old Toby. That Hooper. is weird. I, 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 hadn't, I hadn't picked up on that uh, until you mentioned it. And then I was like, oh, yes. Wow. At first glance, you think it's Spielberg. But then you're like, no, no, no. Right. It's not Spielberg. That's Hooper. <laughs> you really can't tell, though, because <laughs> you know, there's so a little poltergeist on right? either one. Yeah. Yeah, Poltergeist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hooper played Spielberg in the. No, actually, Spielberg <laughs> played Hooper uh, directing Poltergeist. Hmm. Um, I did watch uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre the other day, actually. <gasps> Which one? I was going to say. 
the See? original. Go it's on. the only one worth watching. But yes. I, I, I think I might have mentioned this on the Chasing Tone. It, it just freaked me out that it started off with a huge warning. Warning, this film contains uses of cigarettes and <laughs> phrases that may no longer be uh, appropriate. And the yeah. first scene of the film is a load of corpses that have been like tangled together to form disgusting <laughs> sculptures yeah. in a graveyard. That's they weren't smoking. More. They were not yeah. smoking. No, no, yeah. warning, no warning about that, though. <laughs> That's why wow. I, when I want to watch Texas Chainsaw, like, I pop in the 25-year-old VHS that I have. Dude. That way I'm not getting warned about cigarettes and language. Oh. Texas Chainsaw, <laughs> like, they literally put a chick on a meat hook. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you're warning me about cigarette smoking. Exactly. slide down slowly oh, and God. then put her in a freezer and made her wake up mid-freeze. Oh, yeah. my yeah. God. But the cigarettes are offensive. Yeah, the, yeah. D- yeah. There's a, and there's the phrases. A, Don't forget the, the phrases. phrases. The phrases. Oh yeah, the phrases. They may show attitudes that may have changed over time. Oh, like, and and abuse of <sighs> of the handicapped. Dude, I, like, well, yeah. I think that's <laughs> what they're going certain. for. <laughs> that should have been in there too. I was like, no, I'm fine with that. It's the bit where the old man hits her with the hammer that yes. he can't quite strike. That's Grandpa. the bit that sticks with you. Grandpa. Yeah, the noise. The the noises. Ah, oh, the whole, such a great film. So well done. Yeah, um, no, I don't I've get been on warnings a... like that on my horror movies because I still watch them on VHS. <laughs> I'm just really, really lazy. I mean, I've got quite a lot of them on uh, DVD, but I, I don't think I have a... Well, I'd have to watch them through my Xbox. So I'm just lazy and I end up restreaming yeah, I everything. And, well, there's a uh, uh, 4K release coming from Second Sight in the UK soon. They do good work, nice. so I imagine it'll look great. Um, Texas is one that I showed to a group of my friends here in KC. Uh, shout out to Dave a good friend of mine who can't see any gore without wanting to vomit. Uh, oh. So he drinks his way me. through all these movies. Uh, I've showed him all the Jason movies except for X. We, we still have to show him X. But he nearly vomited twice during Jason Goes to Hell. It was awesome. I think we all did. So we, uh, Yeah, for different reasons, <laughs> for though. Different for different reasons. <laughs> have you ever tried uh, the, the method that I, uh, I use with my uh, six-year-old daughter by just telling her that it's pretend? <laughs> I've tried, but he's already <laughs> retching at that point. No, so we uh, showed him okay. Texas, and we're watching as a big group. So he's drinking away. Well, about halfway through, you know, there's that chase in the dark as she's going back toward the house from the van. Yeah. Uh-huh. We pause it because he needs to pee. So we're sitting around just chatting, you know. Hey, everybody, how are we doing? You might want to vomit while you're in there. He comes back <laughs> out, it. and he's all chatty, and we're having a good time, and he's you know half drunk. And so I hit play and she screams and he's like forgotten where we were before the pause. And he screams. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, welcome back. Okay. We jumped in. So I love it when people take films like seriously. Um, I I can't do that anymore. I wish I could. You know, I I don't know if they have a choice that like, like I said before, my son, my oldest son has a squeamish stomach. Right. He sat and he watched first blood with me. And, he was fine with that whole movie, but the time when when Stallone stitches his own arm up and he it, turns like, white, he went he turns completely white, like <laughs> clear, and went into the bathroom for a good twenty minutes. Yeah, wow. And I'm like, dude, you all right? You good? <laughs> I'm that, like, that used to happen to me more than it does now, but yeah, yeah. The exercise. I, d- I don't like I don't like the extreme gore stuff. It. I mean, yeah. My For other half the... watches Doctor Pimple Popper, and it doesn't right. get any worse than that. And that's really for my son. Gore. It's the medical stuff. Like yeah, me in, too. In the Exorcist. He was fine watching that, but the scene in the hospital where they do the bleed. Like oh yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the machine uh, the thing MM, in her throat. The yeah, encephalogram or whatever. Oh, he was like, nope. 
<laughs> yeah, it's nope. it's weird. Um, it's weird. I think, it, like, in you know slasher movies and stuff like that, someone you know, people get an axe in their forehead or something, mm-hmm. and I watch that and I just I look to see how realistic how they it looks did it and how because it I know yeah. that they didn't put a real axe in a right. real head. So yeah. I want to see how realistic it looks, and I yeah. appreciate it when it looks good. Yeah, you know, like how I think it would look if I, you know, if, if that actually happened in real life, and you know, I just kind of appreciate it. But then there are scenes in movies where they're they're doing something. I don't know what the difference is. Like medical is one thing where people actually have to endure, you know, pain. Right. And if it's and something that the, can and, happen to you, yeah, it makes you a and, little bit more and nervous. procedures that are that yeah. are not fun. Like, I mean, how many people do we know that have had open heart surgery? Right. That open heart surgery is gory as anything I've seen in a slasher film. Right. Like funny uh, but, you should mention that. It's necessary, oh, right? Oh no. Are you getting that done? Well, no, I'm not getting it done, but uh, a a relative of mine did get it done in the 80s, and my mum had a video of the procedure because she was a nurse, and I accidentally put it on and watched it, and I saw about five minutes of it, and like I was like, I I don't like this. I don't like this at all. And it's it's worse because it's... This is this is real life, right? It can yeah. And it's and it's almost it's crazy to think about because you know uh, you know your son got squeamish watching Rambo stitch himself up. Right. Stitches are something that happen every day. Mm-hmm. Like stitches are no big deal. Right. For the medical people, shout out to the medical people. They are a different <laughs> breed. But like you know, p- people that work in like trauma and they deal with car accidents yeah. and gunshots and blah blah blah, and they like literally. Just they are the hardest people For sure. mentally because they deal with that every day and they just they, they just try their damnedest to not let people die. Yeah. Dude. Like that's that the is, hardest that job on the insane. planet. Like when yeah. I was watching this movie and I was watching the scene with the bathers, like that reminded me of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a little I got a little squeamish. Hey, I'm you like, know what though, happen. Travis? You keep that royal penis clean. <laughs> that yeah. could happen. Um, before free, before free we get any, completely yeah. into the weeds, uh, have you guys any of you guys seen the film Barbarian yet? Oh, I'm uh, watching yeah. it tonight. It's on HBO Max, and I just resubscribed to HBO to watch this, so I'm going to watch that tonight. I think you'd enjoy it. I think you'd all enjoy it. It's um, it's a it's a clever take on the sort of Texas Chainsaw Massacre type of film. Okay. But it isn't anything to do with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even though my review was it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But it's well, not that's okay because the the movie no that chainsaws. came out had nothing to do with Texas Chainsaw Massacre either, and it had the, that title. <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh, right. No, I think you'll enjoy it, Dan. I think you'll really enjoy it because it, it it is it's a disappointing film overall because it's not The Exorcist, and therefore it's not the greatest horror film you'll ever watch. Right. But it is a different horror film. There, okay. they've they've been intelligent with some of their choices in it, and although some of it's uh, dubious, some of it's excellent. I think you're going to really enjoy it. I will check it out. When I really enjoyed the X movie that came out earlier this year, the that was Ty good. West one. That's yeah. a good one. And then Pearl, the prequel to that, uh, was way different, but also way good. So now I need to see the third one. Ke- Kevin Bacon is in uh, a massive series of adverts over here for a mobile phone network. Like, nice. it's huge. And now- wh- when asked why... 
he was like, oh, I, I he, he got sued for something or he lost a load of money or he mm. lost out on a film. And he said, I just got to work to make a load of money back. Yeah. So I'm taking any work. And, and I got so much respect for him at that point. For just I, like He learned that from Nicolas Cage after Nicolas Cage paid, what, $20 million for the first issue of Superman and then stopped working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, there was the a. Dummy. It was who was it? The uh, Aaron Judge. Um, his I think it was his sixty-second home run ball was on right. eBay for millions of dollars, and they asked him like if he could buy it, and he was like, I, I'm at the end of my contract. Like I don't know, you know, like I don't I don't have a contract going forward. I don't know if I could afford it. Right. And it was like this is crazy. Like you're Aaron Judge, dude. <laughs> right. You're gonna you sh- get a huge contract somewhere. Just buy your your home run ball. Like yeah, right. It's crazy. It's crazy. But no, I said <laughs> you that just because... just went walking on it. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. No, I said that because uh, the whole thing about uh, um, Kevin Bacon, because you watched Wild Things mm. for who was in it. Yes. Who you thought you might see something. Yes. But, but sh- what you saw was Kevin Bacon. I saw a 45-degree <laughs> semi-angry pickle of Kevin Bacon, yes. <laughs> I'm not sure I like where this is going. Um, it, not Not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of there. <laughs> Did you know that Niall Rogers uh, said that the jingle for the Soul Glow commercial in uh, in Coming to America, which is the film we're talking about, yes, uh, we did watch that, didn't we? Yeah, is <laughs> his proudest moment. And I'd say I, I I get it, dude. That is one hell of a jingle <laughs> that <laughs> sticks with you forever. We, we're still singing it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, like, exactly. Every time I hear a song go high pitch, I I do that Soul Glow thing. But also, like, it's quite trendy these days, like, for gentlemen to put various oils in their beards. Yes. And you see people with, like, very oily. Every time I see one that's too oily, I'm like, he's got an extra he's layer of soul, soul glow. glow. It's yep. true. It's happening. It's true. So uh, it, it, it has um, definitely become part of uh, canon, this film. And, yes, it's a thumbs up from me. That's it, Soul glow is so important, it should have its own pop. Yeah. Like it, it is pop culture. Like if you say Soul Glow, everybody knows what you're talking about, except for me. Three now, hours ago, three hours ago, right? Yeah. Now, whenever you see somebody now you do. with tight curls and a little wetness to it, you're gonna sing the song. Yeah, I'm gonna be like <laughs> Soul Glow. They must be using Soul Glow. Yep. Oh, so good. well, this was a perfect movie. It is, and I'm so happy you guys uh, made me watch it again because uh, I was overdue a watch of this. That's that's what we do. Yeah. And it perfectly kind of interrupted my current regime of watching the weirdest films I can find. Although last weekend I watched The Thing, um, which I have, again, I've oh. not seen that for 10 years. And that's another, so good. another John Landis movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> one of my, it's definitely one of my favorite 80s sci fi horror films. Oh, it's, um, it's, it's one of the best. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, right, gents, I think uh, this is my time to exit stage left. Stage right, even. All right, Richard. Do you want to pimp your uh, your normal podcast for the the good listeners here? Yeah, if you want to hear uh, Brian Blake and myself talk vaguely about guitars, guitar pedals, amplifiers, and that sort of stuff, then you can uh, check us out on the Chasing Tone podcast, which is on Apple and Spotify and all podcasting platforms. Uh, and check out OnePlePedals.com if you want to buy a pedal. Uh, and, and that's my plugs done. Okay, nice. and this episode should launch around December 7th. Uh, so besides being yeah. a rather infamous day, uh, there may be some interesting news from the Wampler camp by them. So check uh, there out. There will uh, definitely be some uh, news by then, for sure. Check out yes. wamplerpedals.com. 
faux show. If you play guitar, check out Wampler Pedals. If you don't play guitar, take it up and then go check out Wampler Pedals. It is the best. It it is like the hobby that keeps on giving. Oh my gosh. You can never master it. That's why it's so good. It's so much fun. But if you don't do either of those, listen to the podcast because they're fun. They are very fun. That's true. I mean, they uh, they talk about guitars like kind of, yeah. Every every now and then, mostly it's mostly it's just BS, and it's pretty funny. See, we have a good time. That's that's our motto: have a good time. Yeah, all of the time. I think the the non guitar stuff is sometimes better than the guitar stuff Mm. because the guitar stuff is like, oh my god. I mean, (laughs) for me, for me, I've been like following guitar gear for like twenty years. So Get like, the fuck out of here. Seriously. Okay. So like, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, this company released this pedal. This company released this guitar. And I'm like. It's difficult, right? I'm like, you... I'm like I don't care. I want to hear. I, I want to hear Brian's squirt Richard with a spray bottle. Yeah. Like, that's what I want. There's plenty but of that. There's it's hilarious. Plenty of that. Uh, no, you gents are um, absolute gentlemen. Uh, I've had a Thank you. fantastic time. And if I don't speak to you all in person beforehand. Have a fantastic Christmas, but I'm you sure too. we'll, you as we'll well. trade the odd message here and there. Yes. Absolutely. Thank, you, Thank you so much, Richard. An absolute pleasure. Speak soon, gents. So, Travis, what are we watching next week? <sighs> next week, we're going to watch a movie, <gasps> a movie that has nothing to do with Whirlpool and oh. nothing to do with Coming to America. <sighs> kind, kind of. Um, but a classic. We're going to watch. What season are we in? I have no idea. Three? We are pushing what holiday? Four? We are, se- no, not our show. The actual <laughs> season, season, like seasonal. Oh, we're in, we're coming to wintertime. Wintertime, close to Christmas. We're going to watch one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, and it's not Die Hard. I was going to say Die Hard. Elves. Uh, we're doing elves, right? Elves? <laughs> we're going to do elves maybe yes. next year. Damn Ooh. it. Or, I mean, Elf That's is kinda. pretty good. Elf is good. Elf is great, actually. Um, we're gonna watch the 1984 classic, mm-hmm. Gremlins. Oh, Gremlins! I suppose that is a. I don't know that that's crazy. the reaction you want to hear when George knows he's gonna watch a movie. Oh, uh, well, have you seen it, right? Or have you? A very, very long time ago. I mean, that was like a childhood. Movie. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it was on regular TV when I was shit. like eight years old. Yeah, you're going like, to watch I it. I know what a gremlin is. Right. But you're going to watch it with a film mind now. Hey, guys. An educated mind. I've yes. never seen gremlins. <gasps> wow. Oh, shit. Is there first any time watch. First movie? time watch. First time watch. First time watch. <laughs> is there any science fiction in this movie? Oh, I uh, hope not. A whole shit ton of it, yes. But not like lasers and robots and Isn't shit. Is it a coincidence that first time watch has the same initials as for the win? I, I think not. I think we'll find out first after I watch, watch this movie. Shit! First I can't time watch, never for the win. I know, right? I've been waiting because I figured we'd happen? watch it for the show for years. You've been saying we're gonna do Gremlins, and I was like, yeah, sure, yeah. I'll watch it then. Okay, so there you go. All right. Well, if you hate it, I apologize, but I, I, th- I don't think you will. I don't think I'm gonna hate it. it. It looks pretty directed fun. by John Landis. It's not John Landis. It is. Uh, hold on. Spielberg's involved, isn't he? I thought this was Spielberg a Spielberg produced. joint. Never heard this of this. This is a fuck. Kidding. I, I almost said Jonathan Demi, but he's. Isn't there so oh involved in it? That's a like Jonathan huge. Demi version 
Ooh, Phoebe of Cates. Gremlins. Uh, <laughs> of Gremlins <laughs> would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Joe Dante. And of Joe course, Dante. Joe Dante is wonderful. So this will be great. Yes. And it's got Phoebe Cates in it. And so. it was written by Chris Cole. That's Col- oh, the name. This. I knew that there was a name. Mm-hmm. This is going to be great. One. Can't wait. Yeah. How could this go wrong? It can't. It'll be great. Or it'll and suck and I'll destroy it. <laughs> it's got Corey Feldman too, so we're good. It's okay. It's like a precursor to another movie that you love. Oh, I'm sure. Word. I'm sure. Okay. Well, we'll Cheers see you guys back that. next week. Fair Thanks for joining us. And uh, as always, keep on Georgian. What <laughs> <laughs> the fuck does that mean? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, what? Thanks, guys. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> keep on Georgian. <laughs> thank you for joining us on the remedial film class podcast as always you can find us at facebook.com slash remedial film pod and hey you want to drop us an email remedial film pod at gmail.com is how you do that we'll be back next week with my first watch of the 80s classic i guess gremlins which i mean is it better than elves probably not do you get elves without it probably not so i'm gonna go in with that attitude see you next week